The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about eight miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 10 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. Today, we are continuing to look at the wife's role in the marriage relationship as described by Paul in Colossians chapter 3. We should never be afraid to dig into God's Word to find the pattern for all things in our lives, especially marriage and family. In God's Word, the wife is told to submit to her own husband. I realize that is a nasty word today in our modern culture. However, the godly submission described in Scripture is not the subjugation that the world thinks it is. We've begun to see what godly submission is not, and today we conclude by examining what godly submission truly is. I hope you'll join us today as we continue to explore God's pattern for the marriage relationship, but first we have a song selection that we hope you enjoy.
right, now continuing on this idea of inferiority versus superiority. You say, well, what is it? God said submit. I guess doesn't that just in and of itself say that, that a um, woman is inferior to the man? Well, let me ask you this. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3. You might turn there if you'd like. He deals with this concept again, but he tells us some more information. 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 3, he says, But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. The head of Christ is God. Does that mean that Christ is inferior to God? Christ is very God. They're equal. They're on the same plane. They're, there's not one that's more superior and one that's less superior. They are equal. But yet Jesus Christ was submissive to the will of his Father. In fact, he wasn't just submissive to the will of his Father. If you go back over to Luke in the second chapter, about the 51st verse, you're going to learn that after he left, that when he was 12 years old and they brought him back, you know, they, they forgot him, they lost him, they went back and got him, and then they bring him back down to Nazareth where they lived. It says he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them, subject unto Mary and Joseph. He was far superior, far superior to Mary and Joseph. He could have said, do you know who you're dealing with? He's the only person who's ever lived who outranked his parents. <laughs> you know, he outranked them. And he could have, in his authority, said, woman, man, I I'm not listening to you. I, I know better. I mean, how, how many teenagers, how many 12 and 13-year-olds ever rebelled against their parents? <laughs> how, many, how, many, how, many, how many children, how many teenagers 12 and up rebelled against their parents and I think the answer is every single one of them in some way in some way we all rebelled against our parents Jesus Christ who had the right to rebel in fact when they went back to get him they were taking him away he said don't you know I've got to be about my father's business he was doing right and they were wrong and yet he was subject unto them you see Christ was submissive to them, and yet he was superior to them. Christ was submissive to his Father, and yet he was equal with his Father. And Christians should be submissive to Christ. Women should, wives should be submissive to their husbands. A husband should be submissive to Christ. And that submission is based on love, not tyranny. The Father sent the Son out of love, not coercion. The Son submitted to the Father out of love and not compulsion. And it was not based on any inherently greater worth or ability, but simply on God's design. And by the way, you're going to hear me repeat this over and over, husbands. Husbands ought to make it easy to submit. Not once has it ever been a problem for any of us to submit to Christ. The problem's never been Christ or His commandments. It's always been us. I say, when I say easy to submit to him in the flesh, it's hard to. But I'm talking about when we uh, look at his commandments, it's not his problem, it's ours. And if, our, and if we as husbands will be Christ-like, it will not be a problem for our wives to be submissive. Okay, another thing that I want to say, and I don't want to dwell on this too long. This submission that we're talking about is not to all men, okay? That's not 
It's not that wives just in general are inferior, quiet, little, submissive wallflowers, okay? It says you're to be submissive to your own husband, okay? This idea of womanly subjugation across the board is foreign to scriptures. You're not supposed to walk around in your society, your job, feeling inferior to every man you see and, you know, doing everything they say because they're men and you're a woman, okay? There are certain roles for men and women in the church and in the home. And clearly the leadership is to be driven by men. Preachers and deacons are men. But as I've already said, you ladies are extremely important in the church, in the kingdom of God. It's extremely important. Your wisdom makes so much difference in so many ways. And we've seen that here in this church. But see, generally, we're all the children of God. We're told in Galatians that as many as you have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there's neither Jew nor Greek, bond nor free, male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. So in the kingdom of God, there's not a hierarchy. You know, it's not that all the men are going to sit over here because they're higher up and all the women over here because they're lower down. We're all the same in the kingdom of God. We have certain roles and we have certain uh, 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 areas of authority. But... But there is equality in Christ in the kingdom of God. And as a matter of fact, as a godly woman flourishes in her marriage to a godly man, she will be strong and she will be active and she will be fearless in her relationship to others because she's drawing on her husband's strength. We're going to go there, I think, today if we have time, but turn sometime if we don't to Proverbs 31 and read about that godly woman. She's not standing in the corner. She's not uh, uh, meekly walking around doing nothing because she's got to defer to all the men. She is active and she is strong. She is a strong, fearless, godly woman. And let me tell you, men, the wife doesn't need a nasty bully and neither does she need a nice wimp, okay? She needs a godly man who will boldly and biblically seek to represent Christ to his wife in every area of life. In the church, he's a church-going man. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a Bible-focused man. He's trying to do the right thing and to seek what that is. Strength begets strength in a marriage. The stronger he is in Christ, the stronger she becomes. And the stronger she becomes, the more she helps him and makes him stronger still, you see. Let's go back just one more time to Acts in the 18th chapter. I told you we'd come back there. In the 18th chapter, we already talked about Priscilla and Aquila. But look over in the first verse here. It says, after these things, Acts 18.1, after these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth and found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy, with his wife Priscilla, and he tells that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome, and came unto them. And because he was of the same craft, he abode with them, and wrought, for by their occupation they were tent makers, and he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath, and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. Now I just want to say to you here, this is the model of an old Baptist meeting, <laughs> isn't it? It's where, where you go, Brother Mackey knows what I'm talking about. When I go to a meeting somewhere, we went to the Rich Mountain Association, Sherry and I. Now, now, now sometimes it's okay to stay in a hotel room. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. And sometimes we don't have an option but to put people up in a hotel room. But you know, in most primitive Baptist churches, when you go there, if you're either, even if you're not a preacher, if you're just visiting their church for a meeting, you're going to stay with somebody. 
Because they want you to come into their home. Because iron sharpeneth iron. And that fellowship is important. And that's, you know, we do that. We don't put our preachers up in some hotel in Columbus, Mississippi. We bring them to our house. And we, we put them up for as, you know, we've had as many as 15 people at our house before. I think where we stayed at the Rich Mountain, there were about 15 people there that, that weekend. And notice what he's done. He's gone to this home and, and he's staying with this couple that are a godly couple and that they're, the foundation for him is, is laid there by him being able to stay with them. And then you skip on down to verse 24. It says, A certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandra, an eloquent man, a mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. It's the one I was talking about earlier. He was instructed in the way of the Lord, fervent in the spirit, spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. Now notice what's happened here. This young man, this Apollos, was a very zealous young called preacher. And he was preaching the best he knew how. But he didn't know all. He only knew about John's message of repentance. He didn't know all the details of Christ's death on the cross yet. And notice what happened. Aquila and Priscilla, when they heard him, they didn't, they didn't go back and tell the church and say, hey, you better avoid this guy. He, he's just off. You know, don't we tend to want to do that? It's the easiest thing is to avoid people. When they're preaching wrong, when they're off on something, you know, it's easier to avoid people. I've, and there's a place where you get to sometimes when you, you just can't make any progress with anybody anymore and you just say, well, I'll leave it in the Lord's hands. But, beloved, we ought to be reaching out to these. these I mean, look, look at what we do here at Zion. We, we've gotten a reputation with, 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 with young preachers that we give them a place to preach and a loving atmosphere for them to grow. And we've seen so many young preachers grow in this pulpit, even those that are not members of our church. We've seen them grow in this pulpit. And we've, and we've not dismissed them when they get off on something a little bit here. We go to them, and especially us, those of us that are preachers, go to them and we embrace them and say, Hey, brother, have you thought about this? Hey, have you thought about that? I know you've been preaching this, but maybe you ought to think about it in this way. And that's the way we're supposed to be. And it's not just Aquila that did it. It was Aquila and Priscilla with his wife, you see, with his wife. She was bold and active in this matter. So, as we kind of move on a little bit here, and hopefully we'll finish this today, but if we don't, we'll come back to it. Let's talk for a few minutes about what submission is, what it is. First of all, submission, it says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Submission is the wife's spiritual responsibility. He told the disciples in John chapter 14 and verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. So submission is a test of a wife's love for God. If you go back over to Ephesians again, to the fifth chapter, and you might want to keep your finger there because we're going to kind of turn back and forth because Ephesians elaborates a little bit on Colossians 3.18. Colossians 3.18 says, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands. Ephesians 5 and verse 22 says, Wives, Submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Notice that he says here that the wife is to submit herself. Remember what I told you men earlier? 
The wife is to make herself submissive. It doesn't tell the husband to make her submit, but he should make it easy for her to submit. However, it's not his responsibility to physically or even mentally or emotionally abuse her to make her do this. You see, if we keep reading here, husbands, you've got enough to deal with on your own. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. We're going to come to, we're going to, come to us husbands soon. And it may take several sermons to preach to us husbands. I think we may get this one done in one or, one or two maybe. But I'm telling you, husbands, we've got enough. We have our own issues to worry about. It's a voluntary submission, not coerced. And notice, it's a voluntary responsibility. She does not submit to her husband because she must, but because she wants to. Okay? Think about the church. Why do we submit to God in the church? Well, we don't in the flesh want to, but remember, we're not writing to fleshly people. We're not writing to reprobates. We're writing to born-again children of God. And now we come to church because we volunteer. Nobody, nobody goes to our home and bangs on the door and, and drags us out of bed and gets us down here. It's a voluntary service. And, you know, it's, it's voluntary because uh, Psalm 110 and verse 3 tells us, Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. God gives us a will in the new birth. And he tells us in the beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning, thou hast the dew of you of thy youth. In other words, when we're born again, we have the right and the ability to make a decision to serve God and to serve him in the way he tells us to or not. But we ought to be willing to do it. You see, the wife, guess what she was before she was born again? She was nothing but a rebel, just like men, just like all of us. But she's been changed from a rebel to a beautiful wife by his wonderful grace, just like the church was changed from a rebellious church to the bride of Christ by his wonderful grace. It's her voluntary responsibility and attitudes as well as in actions, okay? Notice with me over in 1 Peter chapter 3. We'll turn there just for a minute. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 1. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they may also without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. We're going to come back to that in a moment. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning let it not be the outward adorning of plating of the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price." Notice what he says here. He says your submission in your marriage should be voluntary from the heart. It's not just, you know, the story I heard one time about the little boy that uh, he'd, he'd done something wrong and his mama made him go, uh, go sit in the corner and face the wall. And, and he's sitting there with his arms crossed. And, and she asked him, she said, are you doing okay, son? And he said, Yes, ma'am, I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. <laughs> you ever been there where you grit your teeth and you're going to do what God said, whether anybody likes it or not, you know, you're, you're not happy about it? See, it shouldn't be that way. In fact, if you go back over, and we won't turn there, but the last part of the discussion of husbands and wives in Ephesians 5 says, let, let the wife reverence reverence her husband that's a deep or a due respect that is felt towards somebody and 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 let me just say this here at this point 
Ladies, this is not about your husband either. When it says wives submit to your own husbands, it doesn't say wives submit to your own husbands because they deserve it. Because guess what? I know it's hard for you to believe, but I don't always deserve for my wife to submit to me. Can you believe that? <laughs> my kids are all nodding their heads. They know all about it. We husbands do not deserve it in and of ourselves, and we don't always act like we ought to. But you see, it's not just to please her husband. That's not why a wife voluntarily submits, but it is in, instead to honor Christ. He says, she says, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. And in, in Ephesians 5, it says, as unto the Lord. Okay? You see, we're going to read and you, we're going to see as we get on down to talking about servants and masters that well, I believe are employees and employers there, that we're to serve in ways that, uh, that not to please our employer, but to please God. When you're working in your job, you're doing it to please God. The focus should be pleasing Him. Not, maybe you've got an unjust boss. Maybe you've got somebody that you just can't hardly stand to work for. Somebody who's doing wrong, but yet you submit to them. And you're gonna, we're going to see too, it's not in the things that are ungodly, but you submit to them in the things that you must and you can in order to please God and not to please that boss. In the same way in a marriage, you're submitting, wives are submitting to please God and not their husbands because their husbands don't deserve it. You see, it's her duty to do so, but now notice this, it is her duty only in the Lord. Now that's important, that's important. Notice it says, as it is fit in the Lord. Wives are to be submissive in everything in that marriage except that which contradicts the Word of God. Now listen to this, men and women, ladies. Colossians 3.18 says they're to submit as it is fit in the Lord. That does not include ungodly commands. If your husband forbids you to go to church, what do you do? You go to church anyway. If your husband says you're to be the getaway driver and robbing West Alabama Bank, what do you do? You don't do it. <laughs> in fact, you turn him in as a former prosecutor. That's what I would hope you would do. You see, it does not include ungodly commandments. You remember over in Acts, the fifth chapter, when they brought, they brought Peter and John out there, and they, they brought them before the council. They'd already, they'd already fussed at them and gotten on to them, and, and they asked them, they said, didn't we tell you not to teach in this name of Jesus? Didn't we tell you that? And now you've filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, they say, and you intend to bring this man's blood down upon us. You're saying we crucified him. You know what Peter said? Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than man. That applies in every relationship of life. In every circumstance you find yourself in, I don't care where it is, you ought to obey God rather than men. I don't have time this morning to go there, but, well, let's do, let's go to, let's go back to 1 Peter, okay? 1 Peter 3 again. Let's just look at that for just a moment because I hope you young ladies that are seeking to find a husband will remember the admonition not to be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. But unfortunately in the world today we find so many godly young women who are married to ungodly men 
who don't care about the things of God and don't uh, care about the kingdom of God. So what do you do in that circumstance, preacher? Well, we've read in chapter 3 already a little bit about it. It says in verse 1 of 1 Peter 3, Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word. So here's a circumstance where the wife has a husband who's not obeying the word. It said that they almost, that if you have that circumstance, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. That word conversation there means lifestyle, not, not vocal conversation, okay? So notice what's happening here, and this is, this is a whole sermon sometime maybe, but, but just understand that it's not the wife's job to browbeat, to verbally assault the husband, and to constantly be on him about uh, going to church, for example. If you have a husband that won't go to church, you know, you ought to tell him, you ought to encourage him, but there comes a point where that doesn't do any good. And so uh, without the word, though, you may win your, uh, your husband while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. In other words, uh, you just keep doing what God says to do. You just keep on doing what God has laid out for you to do. You don't stop that. You can't browbeat your husband. You can't nag him, so to speak into doing right but you can do right and set the example and by the way we're going to talk about that husbands as we get on into what men are supposed to do because we are the are supposed to be the best example in our homes of how to approach God's word and his kingdom so notice that even when this husband is unbelieving or disobedient even then, when she does not obey him, so to speak, when she does not submit to him, she's to do that even in a loving and submissive fashion. Can't have contentious, can't have contention and an uncooperative spirit. All right, now, a few minutes, and let me close out. What does submission do? Well, first of all, when wives submit in this godly fashion, it resists the errors both of chauvinism and of feminism. Okay, I've already said, if you love me, it says keep my commandments. You know, chauvinism would have the men to browbeat the women. Feminism would have the women to browbeat the men. Feminism basically puts down marriage, doesn't care about marriage. Chauvinism, in a different way, puts down marriage and doesn't care about it. But when we do this in a loving, godly way, it resists both of those errors. It also permits the marriage to function smoothly. You know, what happens when you have a tie? When you vote and you have a tie, one wants to do one thing, one wants to do that. Somebody's got to break the tie. <laughs> and you see, somebody has to be able to lead. And God's purpose for marriage is that that person is the man, that person is the husband who should be in a leader, servant leadership position. Thirdly, and most importantly, it reflects the union of Christ and his church. You remember what I said earlier? Marriage, even our own marriages are not about us. It's not about you, child of God. It's about Him. It's about Him. Your home life, our home lives are testimonies uh, to, to, to our faithfulness to God. A rebellious spirit in any way, husband or wife, conveys the wrong message. It is not about you. It's about 
Christ. Paul affirms this principle over in Ephesians 5. Over in Ephesians 5 and verse 32, he says this. He says, uh, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ in the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. It's about the church. It's about Christ and reflecting him in everything we do. There is no aspect of life where the husband is not to be the leader. There is no aspect of life where she is not to be his loving helper, appropriate or meet for him. Read the Song of Solomon sometime. It tells about the love between a husband and a wife, which is reflective of the love between Christ and his bride. See, if we do it right, it reflects the union of Christ and his church. It strengthens both members of the marriage relationship. The husband is stronger when his wife lovingly supports him and submits. Turn back over to Proverbs chapter 31 just for a moment. We read about that virtuous woman over there. Notice in verse 10, Who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies? The heart of her husband does safely trust in her so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. The, his heart, this, this husband who has a godly wife, who is submissive to, to him in a godly way, who is lovingly supportive to him, his heart will be secure. Notice in verse 23. Her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. He's in a position of authority. His position in the community, his position in the kingdom of God will be secure when he has a loving wife who is lovingly supportive and, godly, and a submissive in a godly way. Look at verse 27. She looketh well to the ways of her household and eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children arise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praiseth her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. I believe that's written from the husband's perspective. I love my daughters with all of my heart. They are wonderful, godly ladies, but they'll never beat their mama. I can tell you that. She'll always excel them in my eyes. And I hope in the eyes of their husbands that they will, that, that they will excel their, their daughters, you see. His home will be secure when the parties to that home, when he is living in a way to be Christ-like, and she is lovingly supportive and submissive to him. See, God's design in marriage always works best. Because in our sinful human nature... We don't like submission. Men don't like to submit to Christ. Wives don't like to submit to their husbands. Nobody likes to submit to the authorities. But remember, as we close, remember the Christian rule that we started out with. The Christian rule is submission to the heavenly Christ. Remember in Colossians chapter 1, I mean chapter uh, 3 and verse 1, If you then be risen with Christ... Seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. And over in verse 16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. You see, submission to the heavenly Christ is reflected and displayed in the wives by submission to their earthly husband. And we all need to be more and more submissive to the will of God.
I hope these things have been helpful to you, and I hope that you will give me grace and mercy uh, as we continue to preach on these topics. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.